This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. We are. And this is the show that has 23 different personalities, but we're only going to show you eight. That's right. I got 23. How many are you going to show me? Not that many. Well, not, can't do that. James McAvoy's good, but is he he's 23 not, characters good? Good, not great. Except <laughs> he's great in this movie. He is phenomenal in this movie. We are talking about Split. Split. From 2017. Directed by Michael Knight Shyamalan. <laughs> I, that's the, Michael I'm, Knight. It's got to be it, right? From Sixth Sense, Signs. Happening. Others. Village. Village. Lady in the Water. The Last Airbender. Unbreakable. People, people love that He's one. He's back. Yeah. Split. You ever seen it? I have never seen Split before this. Me neither. This, so, is, a, this is a rarity. This is a for rarity. For like a bigger movie, I yeah. should say. Because it seems that it's like the smaller. Like, have you ever seen Super? Kind of. <laughs> you ever seen Defender? No. No. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. This movie, it did well. It's putting it really, really lightly that it did well. It did very well. It's only a $9 million budget, and the thing made $278 million. This is a hit. This is a massive hit. Massive hit, which is, well, I was going to say surprising, but then also it's not. No, it's not, because uh, M. Night Shyamalan's coming off of The Visit, which was huge yeah. for when it came out. Everyone's like, oh, it's a return to Shyamalanian Classic times. Classic ding dong Exactly. Yeah. And then this came out, and this got met with very split reviews, <laughs> which is- uh, <laughs> <laughs> pun intended, Very I really hope. Pun. Okay. Yeah, no, it was. I thought about it for a second before saying it. Are we going to do that? Split we yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. <laughs> I'm not clever enough to come up. The word split is looking me dead in the eyes right now. Well, that's, I mean. <laughs> this thing's a huge hit. Huge hit. M. Night Shyamalan, it's his money. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, that's even bigger. What did you think of this movie? I thought it was fine. Pretty, are you, are pretty you allowed good? to think that? You allowed to be down the middle with something? Is that against the law? I, I'm pretty sure that that's, that's a thing that we encourage sometimes. <laughs> You're absolutely right so, it is. And what did you think of it? I like it. I, I don't love it. I like it. But I like it. I, I like a lot of it. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. I found it enjoyable. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. But there are certain things that I was like, oh, not sure about that. Right. I, I think one of the personalities was lazy. Okay. For sure. That's one of the personalities that didn't show is that. And that was M. Night Shyamalan's writer ability. It's, <laughs> it's lazy. Lazy. Yeah, I got issues. Yeah, there's- I got things that I I am going to go batshit crazy over in a, the best way possible. Okay. But I got a lot of issues. I like good batshit crazy. Yeah. That's always fun. Got good, bad, and the McAvoy here. It'd be great. <laughs> the good, the Can't bad, wait. and the He's McAvoy. He's not ugly, damn it. He's not. It's not where I meant to place him in that lineup, but just the only thing that worked. The good, Leave the me McAvoy, alone. and the ugly? The McAvoy, the bad, and the ugly? That sounds like a bad podcast name. It does. <laughs> Do you want to start another podcast? With James McAvoy. Yeah, obviously. Perfect. Let's get into this thing. Let's do it. We open, as we always do, at a teenage girl's birthday party. Of course. It's where we always start. Number of times. It's, this of is, course. Guys, we always this start. is episode 102. You should know by now. We always start teenage girl's birthday party. What a weird trope. Right? Every superhero movie? 
slash comic book movie slash movie that's tangentially connected and we're doing because it's Halloween. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Claire, the first person I'm mentioning in this synopsis, even though she's nowhere near a lead, Haley Lou Richardson. Sure. She tells her father, played by Neil Huff, who's an actor, yeah. that she invited her classmate Casey, the star of this movie, one of them, I guess. Sure. Maybe, sure. Who's played by Anya Taylor Joy. Sure. A lot of names getting dropped here. So many, all at once. Bam, bam, bam. Can't wait for James McAvoy to get here. That one matters. Anya Taylor Joy. Remember her. Claire invited Casey to the party out of pity because Casey's frequently getting in trouble with teachers and gets sent to detention. And she's kind of an outcast, a loner. We all know the type. A rebel dotty. You know. (laughs) Casey calls for a ride home, but she's told that the car broke down and she's about to take the bus. But Claire's dad is like, You're not taking the bus. I'll drive you home. It's no problem. What could go wrong? What Ain't nothing terrible going to happen today. <laughs> the girls leave, along with their other friend, Marsha, who's played by Jessica Sula, another name. Sure, an actor. While he's loading up the car, Claire's dad is approached by an unseen person, which is always a good yeah. sign at the beginning of a horror movie. M. Night Shyamalan is an extremely capable director. Yes. And if you need any proof of that, watch the first five minutes of this movie. And you're going to go, <laughs> man, he's really, really good. Because this is fantastic. How you have the camera very slowly following the uh, Casey, the actress, as she gets into the car. Yeah. And then when the dad looks back, he looks at the camera like it's a person. So it's one of those like, hey, that's a neat little trick. It is. I like that a lot. Yeah. Moments later, the James fucking McAvoy gets into the car. Right. You have this whole shot of Casey looking to the rearview mirror, kind of feeling like something's a little fishy something's behind her. weird, yeah. The camera is doing these wonderful slight movements so just good. around the front seat of the car where you're seeing her, but you're seeing something in the background you're barely making out. Yeah. And the tension instantly is through the roof. Immediately. And the girls in the backseat are, are playing Clueless. with their cell phones. Completely no idea what's Clueless. going on. I love that when he gets into the car, she turns to buckle up, just extending it that just a little yep. bit further. And then they realize that it's James McAvoy in, in the car. Right. He reaches over to the dashboard to clean off some garbage with his little yellow rag that he right. carries around. And Claire is like, hey, bud, think you're in the wrong car. <laughs> and he says, no, and sprays her in the face with some crazy purple knockout gas. Yep. Casey slowly attempts to, to open the door to get out, but he gets hurt too. Well, yeah, it, I'm convinced that he wouldn't have gotten her. He would be like, man, I need some company for this ride. There's yeah. 23 of me in here. I, I, <laughs> I got to be... talk to somebody outside. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with these guys all day. Guys and gals. Got to be all inclusive. But, you know, she was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And he was like, no. 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 So James McAvoy brings the girls into a windowless room in an unknown location. Right. Right away, the stakes are set. The mood of this movie is now established. We're all trapped. Yeah. He pulls Marsh out and takes her into another room. And then a few seconds later, Marsha returns to the room because she peed herself. And he's not much for germs. <laughs> no. And she tells the others that the man wanted her to dance for him. He has never seen dodgeball because he would know that urine is sterile. Sterile. And that's why you can drink your own piss. Exactly. And I like the taste. Right. Claire says that they need to fight back together. And Casey is like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> he could easily take all three of us. Right. And we don't even know why we're here yet. Why don't we just hang out? Very likely that somebody would be that calm in this situation. It's an odd choice. It's an odd reaction. She's a weird girl. You can tell already. Yeah, but you can see the wheels turning. Yeah. But I don't know how well they're turning. Exactly. Where she's clearly trying to work something out and not be as spontaneous as the two girls, which I really like because yeah. you recognize, okay, this girl actually wants to come up with a plan. Let's see how this is all going to play out. This yeah. is such a cool way to set up this story that we're about to see unfold. Yeah. It's very nice. And suspenseful. Very. Flashback. Five-year-old Casey, who's played by Izzy Coffee, is with her father, played by Sebastian Arcellus, and her uncle John, 
played by Brad William Henke, who this guy cannot get an acting job where he's a good guy. Nope. At all. He's like a, a much, much, much worse actor of Mark Strong. <laughs> much, much worse. Much bigger, much hairier. Much. You might remember him as one of the late season Orange is the New Black guards who sure. was just very evil. So he's probably a good guy in this one, right? Of course. He's he, just a he great guy, be. just a loving uncle. <laughs> so her dad and her uncle are both hunters, and they're teaching young Casey how to hunt. And that's that's the gist of the flashback. We'll probably revisit that at some I point. I hope so, or else that is what no was place the point? Yeah. happening. So a therapist, Dr. Karen Fletcher, played by Betty Buckley. There's so many people in here. I kind of wish they were more famous for the sake of talking about it. Yeah. But for the sake of watching it, I'm very happy. Exactly. She is watching a news report on these three missing girls and how Claire's father woke up to find the girls and the car gone. And then she receives an email from someone named Barry. Betty. Betty. Saying that they need to speak and it is urgent. Sure. So Barry goes and visits Dr. Fletcher and it is James McAvoy. It is. And he's very, very different. Very different. what he like, was doing before. Before he was all kind of talking like this, being yeah. all broody. And very whatnot. serious and broody. And... and Barry's a very cheerful guy. Yeah. You want to hang out with Betty. I would love to hang out with Betty. He's got an interesting accent, too. I'm not sure if they were trying to do Philly and it ended up Boston or, or what. But... Who knows? But James McAvoy's Scottish, so. He's got an accent. Good on you. Uh, he's a fashion designer who meets with Dr. Fletcher regularly. And he's excitable, a little OCD, but he seems like a good guy. Yeah. Which is weird because I just saw another scene where not a good guy. No. I'm like, all right. This I'd guy... hang out with you. Yeah. Even after what I just saw you do, even though I'm not sure it was really you. Do you have tw- are these twins? What's going on here? Right? I'm so confused about the premise of this movie, but I'm not. This is one of those weird ones where on the movie poster itself, it's like, see this guy? Yeah. His name's Kevin. Speaking. He's got 23 personalities. Of the movie poster. <laughs> Dave, I have what might be. No. It's the too most early. Perfect it's way too early. IMDb trivia fact. Okay. Now, the thing about this is- <laughs> I don't like how you're squeezing these in earlier now. It's one of those like, yeah, I'm on a high, and then you're like, <laughs> right in the dick. Just See, in 1975, punch. David Allen Coe wrote a song, or performed a song called You Never Even Called Me By My Name. And in that, there's a, a very famous spoken word bridge where he says, well, a friend of mine named Steve Goodman wrote that song. He told me it was the perfect country and western song. I wrote him back a letter. I told him it's not the perfect country and western song because he hadn't said anything about mama or trains or trucks or prison or getting drunk. <laughs> well, he sat down, wrote another verse for that song, and he sent it to me. And after reading it, I realized it. My friend had written the perfect country and western song, and I felt obliged to include it on this album. Okay. Dave, I think I might have found the perfect IMDb trivia fact. Is that it? That's not it. Okay. I was going to say, that's a weird way to, that's a long one yeah. for a setup. That's just the, that's just the intro. Okay. It's teed up. This thing starts off kind of interesting. And then? And then turns into an actual IMDb trivia fact. Terrific. Okay. The movie poster that shows cracked glass is similar to the poster for Unbreakable and all alludes to the fact that both movies are in the same cinematic universe, which has been confirmed by the director of both movies, M. Night Shyamalan. We'll get there. So far? Right. Great. Sure. He also stated that he intends to make a third movie with the characters from both films. Both movies have titles that coincide with the main character in Unbreakable. Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, survives a train crash that leaves him unbroken. Right. The oh, movie's main no. character, Kevin Wendell Crumb, has split I, I see where this personalities. Is going. I don't care for it. That That's it, huh? This has been an actual oh, effect. You have to imagine their excitement when Glass came out. You have to imagine. Oh, my God. <gasps> the poster. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Mom, guess what? The name of the movie is like the thing that happens in the movie that depressed me that actually just brought me down sorry (laughs) 
I don't know if you could tell by the tone, but I'm not that sorry. You're not sorry. I'm not sorry. You're enjoying this. Yeah. Way too I much. I get a little bit of enjoyment out of that. I don't know why, but. That's very fair. It's payback for Green Lantern. I have to imagine that all this is payback I feel for like Green Lantern. There's been several, over a hundred episodes so far of me trying to make up for Green Lantern. <laughs> Never. Like, it can't be over a hundred because Green Lantern wasn't episode one. So nope. it's true. <laughs> if anything, I make it up for Iron Man then. You had yeah. plenty of time to do that. Yeah. That sounds about right, actually. So the girls continue to try to find a way out. They look through a crack in the door and they see a woman talking to their captor. Claire and Marsha call the woman for help. She approaches the door, but guess what? It's James McAvoy, James McAvoy. again. He's wearing a, a skirt now. and high heels, and he introduces himself as Patricia, a polite British woman. I'm very, very happy that he did not have a wig on. Me too. It's a very nice it's touch. It's a good touch. I enjoy that a lot. Patricia assures the girls that their captor knows why they're there and that he is not allowed to touch them. Oh, good. Which um actually makes me more terrified. Thank you, Patricia. Right. <laughs> We're not even at the part yet where this movie does a fun little trick, and man, Patricia is just a- So good. She really is like the ace in the hole in this movie, in my mind. Absolutely. How you, you have no idea what to expect when she shows up. Yeah. That's why I'm going to talk about her. It's a she, because that's the way- Absolutely. The only way that makes sense. Yeah. Or else this movie gets really complicated. You should see Brian's cheat sheet. <laughs> it is just many, many a picture of James McAvoy. In different clothes. And other people. Yeah. It's wild. It's fun. <laughs> Dr. Fletcher is in a conference via Skype or Zoom or whatever. Uh, it has to be Skype because it was 2017, right? right? Zoom wasn't invented until COVID came around. <laughs> I'm convinced. It's not true. That's when it got still. popular. But yeah. She's discussing her patients who suffer from dissociative identity disorder, which is a real thing, and people who have it are very upset with this movie. They are not happy <laughs> at all with this movie. Yeah. She talks about how some identities have capabilities that the other identities may not possess, as well as the way she can sense who has come to the light, which is the personality who's in control. Right. She adds that people with DID can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Which is nuts. Craziness. It is completely nuts. So realistically, let's say that it's going to be shown later. One of the uh, identities has diabetes. Yeah. How about that? And the others don't. It's crazy. Wild. And at the same time, this character understands that they're the one. Right. The only one of everything. It's like, I can't believe I got the diabetes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People say it's all in my head, but explain to me why I'm the only one with diabetes. It's amazing. It's such a, a cool premise. It is. It's very, very forced and heavy-handed to have a therapist drop this exposition bomb on us. Oh, yeah. But at the same time- She's in a conference. Kind of need it. You kind of <laughs> do need it in order yeah. to get the full effect of what's Absolutely. going on Absolutely. The girls meet another identity, Hedwig, who has the mannerisms of a nine-year-old boy. Right. It's not weird yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm sure it'll get there. It's one of those things of James McAvoy, I have to imagine, had a blast playing Hedwig. Oh, yeah. Because he puts on this ridiculous lisp with him, and he's speaking in a high pitch, and he's talking about what color socks he owns. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know what? It's a weird movie. Lean in. Have a good time with this one, at least. Absolutely. If there's going to be one to have fun with, it's the nine-year-old. Oh, yeah. He claims that Patricia and Dennis, the persona that captured the girls, are mad at him, and that he's in trouble. Casey is starting to catch on to what's going on here. She understands that yeah. they can't be touched. I think she believes them. Yeah. I think at this point she understands, okay, this guy's got something going on. He's presenting different personalities. I don't know if she thinks it's an act at this point or if it's a real thing. Right. But I think she starts to understand this is a real thing when she starts talking to Hedwig and yeah. getting into his head. Exactly. What's cool about Casey is that she's using all of these flashbacks. They keep coming back to it randomly. Yeah. And it seems like it's out of nowhere. And her uncle and father are teaching her about hunting. 
mm-hmm. and how to read an animal and predict an animal's next movements and how they joke about how the female's always smarter right. and then the male and whatnot. And it's funny because she starts to go on the offensive with Hedwig here and starts saying like, you know, Dennis was telling me that they're still mad with you. Yeah, Patricia and Dennis are still mad at you and you're in trouble. You are in trouble. So you should probably help us out of here. Yeah. So it's one of those wonderful little things. And he's buying every bit of it. Emotionally, you see him tearing up. You see him getting really upset about this. And she goes, I got you. Bam. I got you completely figured out. Yeah. And Hedwig's a cool character because he doesn't lock the door. Right. And it's a cool thing of how he... Because he's a kid, care. he's he emotional, doesn't... he runs off. Exactly. Yeah. He, he always leaves the door open wherever he is. He's just kind of there all the time. He's a really cool character. Hedwig. He leaves, and the girls start looking for a way out through the walls. Casey recognizes that Hedwig said something about, like, oh, we, we, made we just safe. made it safe. We yeah. just made it safe. She recognizes that drywall's brand fucking new. Right. U- Uncle Bob Vila over here told me that this is how you recognize Oof. it. And, you know, you should your olfactory senses should have really kicked in, because new drywall. You know what that smells like. That is a very specific smell. Oh, yeah. So they start banging around <laughs> on these walls, doing shaving a haircut, more or less, trying to figure Basically, out where the yeah. hollow spot is, and they find it in the ceiling. Yeah. Claire finds a hollow spot in the ceiling. She starts to break off the plaster. Hedwig starts to come back, so Casey and Marsha hold the door back as Claire climbs out through this hatch that she found. Right. Hedwig reverts into Dennis, and Claire starts crawling through the vents. She finds an exit and starts running for help. She ends up hiding in a locker that she finds, Yep. but Dennis finds her anyway. Yeah, I don't know how. I think it's just because she was breathing so hard. She was breathing really, really hard. Very hard. And she didn't recognize that she was breathing really, really hard. She tried to stop herself. It didn't work. So Dennis did a bad job. Dennis finds her, and he's like, your shirt's filthy. You're going to have to take that off. (laughs) Gross, Dennis. It is gross. Gross. And there's a really cool trick that Emily Shyamalan does here where the cinematography in this movie is, Yes. It's beautiful. A lot of these shots are head-on shots. Mm Mm-hmm. You rarely, rarely see the characters interacting with each other, which I really appreciate that we get that separation cinematically. Mm -hmm. Ah, man, I'm in love with some of the stuff this movie does. And this isn't even the best stuff, which is crazy. No, this is good stuff, but it's not the best stuff yet. And M. Night Shyamalan this entire time is just really pacing himself. He does not rush anything in this movie. No, not even the Philly references for once. It's We should mention we are in Philly because we did- I think it was assumed- I mean, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so you automatically assume we're in Philly, but he dropped the King of Prussia Mall reference of course. in the beginning, and, and there's other stuff, Philly. There's Philly stickers all over stuff. Right. You get that scene where James McAvoy, as Hedwig, going, no, nah, man, I like to eat at Pat's. And then you have to go, you suck, son of a bitch. It's Geno's or else I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, and then Patricia is like, but the real question is, what kind of cheese? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then Jade comes and says, I got diabetes, so it's going to be wit. Or without. I mean. Why would you get without? I, I don't know. It, makes, it just makes it a steak at that point. Well, when and without is the peppers, onions, and mushrooms, Dave. No. Yes. It is? I promise it's you. It's been a long time. Somebody who lived I in Philly what? for five years. Here's the thing. Yeah. I don't give a shit because Philly's <laughs> a shit garbage city. We say it all the time when our Philly gets mentioned. We mention it with history of violence. As always, fuck Philly. I love it. So, <laughs> I think you know Why that. Why are you winking saying, oh, don't tell him. Don't tell now, anyone. Don't tell anyone that I, I really don't like Philly. I'm going to have to do another IMDb trivia fact. E-A-G, go fuck yourselves. Oh, Philly fans are a completely different thing. Oh, fair. And they right. can't fuck off. <laughs> but the city itself is brotherly love. We really should do a Philly salute where we just bring in a child and throw up on him. <laughs> we bring in Santa Claus and throw ice at him. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be great. I can't wait to yeah. do it. Dennis locks Claire in a separate room by herself because she's a troublemaker. She's a troublemaker. Now she's a shirtless troublemaker. Right, the worst kind of troublemaker, right? No? I I guess. Okay. 
I don't know. <laughs> Barry returns for another session with Dr. Fletcher because Dr. Fletcher keeps getting these emails from Barry saying, I need to have a session immediately. And then Barry shows up and he's like, no, I'm fine. I was, I was good, down dude. last I'm night, good. but I'm great now. And Dr. Fletcher doesn't believe him for a damn second. No, her first question, really soon, she starts catching on like, who is this? She, yeah. She's who like, is this? Who I am I talking to right I now? don't think I'm talking to Barry. And she's noticed certain characteristics that Barry's displaying that normally would be somebody like Dennis. Right. And what's cool about the character of Barry, at least, the only one we actually get it from, is he understands that Dr. Fletcher is fighting for them. Right. The people with the ID. She's got some an understanding of what's going on and trying to bring that out to the world in like a more scientific and psychological way. Exactly. So he says, hey, thanks for fighting for me. That's before. But now she no. recognizes that ain't she's Barry. Like, she's like, I don't think you're Barry. I think you're Dennis. And Barry's like, no, it's me. It's me. And he and he ends up leaving. Really ballsy move naming a character Dennis in Philadelphia. Yeah, and is, making him the it? shitbag of the entire yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So Patricia brings Casey and Marsha out of their of their cell, sure. I guess you could call it, for some food. Marsha is forced to remove her skirt because apparently Patricia's got the same weird thing that, that Dennis has got, but not. No. So No, Dennis tells her to remove the, the skirt because when they're putting the wood over the Oh the right. Vent, he goes, You got you got dust all over it. Get take it off. Take right. it off. Right. Dennis is the one who takes makes them take off more clothes. Right. You and know, then Dennis Patricia. has a really interesting system that he's really pulling off with this kidnapping. I mean, if you really want to break it down into, let's just call it the dentist system. If you really want to break it down, <laughs> he is demonstrating value for D, obviously, yeah, right. where he has gave these girls an immaculate bathroom for being in this That's garbage true. place. When they look in, there's like a flower there. It looks terrific. Yeah. He has engaged them physically because he has pulled Marsha out of the room and then brought her back in after she peed herself, which realistically, <laughs> he says, you peed yourself. I got to nurture your dependence now because I, I can't deal with this. You're, you're dirty. I need you to. Take care of yourself, Marsha. This is ridiculous. I'm just trying to kidnap you. <laughs> At that point, he starts like neglecting- That's the opposite of nurturing dependence. No, he sets her free. That's independence, Dave. No. He made <laughs> them dependent on him on giving him. them independence. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Then he neglects them emotionally. For sure he does that. Uh, that doesn't even need an explanation. Nope. He does inspire hope very briefly mm -hmm. by saying, Frank Claire's alive. Just She can't be here. She's a troublemaker. Yeah. She's alive. She's fine. There's other rooms that she you can go to. Here. Maybe her it's shirt's nicer. on. Maybe it's not. I don't know. <laughs> She's definitely wearing There's all your her hope. clothes. It's inspired. inspired. You're welcome. Yeah. We're not quite at the last S yet, and that's okay. Right. We're not there. We'll get there. We, we'll get there. It's a very interesting system that he that I just thought of that yeah. we're working our way through right I now. I like that. You should name it. I did. It's a dentist system. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Clever. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> Patricia gives Casey and Marsha sandwiches, and then she's like, oh, I'm going to make one for myself. And she's making a sandwich, and she accidentally cuts the sandwich crookedly. She pulls them into a separate room to have a proper meal. Right, into the dining room. Right. Or the kitchen. When It's an eating kitchen. She, she cuts it wrong, and she's upset with herself. She freaks out. And then she gets more upset because Marsha hits her with a chair. Yeah, because Marsha is like, I'm going to take this opportunity <laughs> to get the fuck out of here. And she hits her in the back with a chair. And as Patricia she runs turns out, and says, should have gone for the head. <laughs> nice. But nope. She runs to get out and Casey tries to block her with the table. But Patricia's like, Casey, you're better than this. Go back to the room. And Casey's like, okay. Yeah. Nurture dependence. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Dennis, not Patricia. The Patricia system has to be different. The Patricia, the P stands for. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Shut it down. Uh, Marsha is eventually caught by the door because obviously locked. Sure. And uh, she gets locked into another room by herself. Right. So now all the girls are in separate rooms. Okay. Dr. Fletcher goes to Jai, 
who is the building security guard or the super or somebody. He's got security cameras, and he's played by M. Night Shyamalan. Now, Dave. Yeah, bud. We do a thing with Stanley, and I think we should do it with M. Night Shyamalan, too. Okay. Do you think this M. Night got snapped? I think he's fine. Doesn't do much. No. He likes Hooters wings, yeah. and, and he watches the cameras. I appreciate him bringing up Hooters wings and nothing else about Hooters, which is nice. It was nice. It is very nice. Isn't there like a line from 30 Rock? It's like, why would you get takeout from, from Hooters? Doesn't that kind of miss the point? And then somebody else is like, I know they touched him. <laughs> Maybe. It's a very good line. Seems familiar. I hope I didn't just make that up. If you also, made that up. I kind of hope I just made that up. All right. So you came up I with, think it was on 30 Rock. You came up with a great line about Hooters, and I came up with the whole system for Bam. This, the, the psychology of this movie. That's how we do it. We're on fire today. We are. Not stealing anything here. Nope. That's not us. Nope. That's not the Philly way. <laughs> They're the best people in the world. I don't like the way you're saying that. <laughs> So M. Night Shyamalan's playing the, the tape, and Dr. Fletcher sees there's a trash bin knocked over and garbage spilled everywhere, and there's a couple that walks by. They walk around the trash, as you do, but then Dennis comes out, and he walks right through it. Or Barry. Barry comes Barry out. Barry walks right through it. And he walks it. right through it. And Dr. Fletcher's like, that seems deliberate. Yep. She called it an act. It's an act, for sure. Because Dennis would have cleaned that up. Dennis would have- Absolutely. Any normal person would have gone around as we saw. And he walked right through it, which is even more suspicious. Cool, 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 touch. Yeah. Hedwig talks to Casey. He goes and visits her, and he asks for a kiss. Nine-year-old Hedwig. Nine-year-old Hedwig. Wants a kiss from, is is like 16-year-old, 17-year-old? Probably. Something like that? Somewhere in there. Okay. High school aged. High school aged. Nine-year-old Hedwig, played by 30-something-year-old James James McAvoy, wants a kiss from high school aged Casey, played by high school aged Anya Right. Um, Taylor Joy. Hey, good on you, M. Night Shyamalan. Interesting ma- scene. He made it creepy on both sides. Yeah. Pete Holmes level of You've Made It Weird. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's a good pull. You ever listen to the podcast? It's terrific. I have. It's just joyful. It's terrific. He's just a, he seems just like a genuine nice guy. Yeah, he's really tall. He's very tall. That's how you know he's that's nice. Right. And right? That's, that's, if that's how you gauge it, Dave, then- if, if your system hasn't failed you yet, then kudos. That's my new system I'm trying to develop right now. I like it. The, the tall to kind Tall scale. to kind ratio. Yeah. I think it's important. It is. Somebody's got to work on it. Yeah. Might as well be you. Workshop it. <laughs> I made it weird. So Casey's like super uncomfortable, but she's like, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, can go kiss ahead. me. And it's very awkward. So weird. It's one of those things where this actress probably went home. It's like, what'd you do? And she's like, I had a kissing scene. And her parents are like, with James McAvoy? She said, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> kind of. He was nine. I'm going to go shower <laughs> for forever? For forever. I think they both did that. They were like, <laughs> I feel dirty after this scene. Then we get a flashback. Anya Taylor Joy forever unclean. <laughs> we got a flashback. Little Casey is on her hunting trip with her dad and Uncle John, who we already established probably a, a stand up guy. He's Great the best. Guy. We all know. The best kind yep. of uncle. He looks like he's just so happy-go-lucky. Yeah. And when her dad is not around, Uncle John wants to play. Now, you can understand the tone that Brian just used of what's inferred there. Yeah. Uh, well, he strips down to his underwear. Says, let's play animals. And he tells Casey to take Ooh. off her clothes because animals don't wear clothes. Right. So, Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Okay. I don't know where you're going yet. But... At the bar at the end of this thing, when Amy Adams is like, hey, you, you drive for you, Ricky Bobby. You yeah. drive for you. Mm-hmm. And then they fall in love at this bar. And they make animal and, sounds. And, they, and he goes, we're going to make animal noises. That's the good type of animal noises. Yeah. This is the bad type. Th- that was consensual adult animal noises. Exactly. This. This is bad Uncle John perversion. Uncle John 
if you need you to go thought, to jail time animal noises. Yeah, if you bad. thought he was bad as as the the prison guard in Orange is the New Black, oh, oh, oh boy. You are mistaken. Brad William Henke. Man can't get a job as a, as a good nope. character. <laughs> he's just got a look to him where you're like, he's going to be a bad guy. It's probably good he's an actor. I, yeah. At this point. Otherwise. Just be a, a, a normal looking creep. Right. That's a problem. Later, John emerges from behind a rock and he sees Casey holding a rifle at him. And he's like, hey, what are you doing there, kid? And once again, these are two head-ons. Yeah. Which is fucking lovely. So good. You have Casey, you see her pointing the rifle, not at the camera, because you don't ever, ever, ever do that. Makes sense. Then you get this first-person Doom-type view of the barrel of the gun aimed at the character. It's like, man, that is terrific. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty excellent. And he convinces her, or he gets the gun away from her before she shoots it, and he's like, you could have killed me. I think he doesn't realize that that was probably the point. That was the idea. When someone aims a gun at you, yeah. their intent is to kill you, in fact. Generally. That's that's the, the yeah. I would say almost 100% of the time. Like, exclusively, that's what they're trying to that's do. That's generally, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Hedwig mentions his music collection on a CD player that's right next to his window and how he likes to dance to Kanye West. I get it. Casey's like, oh, that sounds awesome. Can you show me your room? I want to see your dance. <laughs> because she's brilliant. She's very smart. She understands how weird this all is. Yeah. Which is good, but she's the weird girl. Which is why so she plays along out. with the kiss. Yep. So he takes her to his room, and he, he does his little Kanye dance, and she's like, well, where's your window? And he's like, oh, it's right here. And it's a drawing oh, boy. of a window. And he's I, like, I felt the air go out of me when I saw that. Yeah. And he's like, what, did you think it was a real window? It's why? Even... So you could leave? Yeah, but it's not even that. It's that he leans in, he goes, see, my window's closed, and he flips the page up, and it's an open. He goes, now it's open. Now yeah. it's closed. Now it's... And he keeps doing that. Sitting there as the audience, I'm going, oh, oh, wow, we are even oh, more trapped no. than I thought. Yeah. This is a great little psychological cinematic trick that you just played. Yeah. Good it's for good. you. And Casey, good for you. Casey is just like, shit. And Hedwig is like, wait, you're trying to escape. And she becomes frightened and she tries to placate him. She's like, no, show me your dances. I want to see your, I want to listen to your music. And finally, he pulls out this walkie-talkie because she's like, you had something cool to show me. And he, he pulls out this walkie-talkie. He's like, it's Dennis's. He doesn't even know I have it. And she uses the walkie-talkie to call for help. And then Hedwig gets real upset. Right. And someone answers saying, like, hey, who is this? Yeah. Hey, who is this? Somebody thinks they're playing a prank. Sure. Because whenever a girl yells for help, I always think, nah, nah, where's the camera? Where's Ashton? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> am I being punked? It's, uh, it's a closed circuit walkie-talkie system in a location that we're unaware of. Sure. As of yet. So, I don't know. <laughs> Still, I mean, if, if she keeps insisting, maybe don't maybe don't assume it's a prank. Maybe don't. You know, maybe it's safe to assume a prank after the first time. But if she doubles down, be like, oh, we got to find this girl. Or at the very least, Google the name she gave you and see that she's actually a missing person. She should have said, Google me. Google me. Like a big shot celeb would do. Yeah. Get, like pulled over. <laughs> or a B-lister, I should say. With someone they're not That's quite true. sure about. Do you know who I am? I was a recurring character. <laughs> Season six. Hedwig becomes Patricia and subdues Casey and takes the walkie back this is the first time we see a turn on camera yes oh my god he's good he's really 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 good good. he's not doing anything comedic and I think that's the right way to to put it right where you would think that someone who's changing personalities get wacky like Jim Carrey exactly yeah not so much no so it, it checks out that this would just be a subtle change of someone else is coming into the light. And I, whenever I thought of the right. light, I always think of like a spotlight on one of these personalities in the brain or something like that. Absolutely. It's a visual for me. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. I also really liked the parallels. 
I don't know if it's intentional on the part of this of Doom Patrol, but between Crazy Jane sure, and, sure. and this character, I was surprising how much of it was similar. It's not a bad thing. If someone does it right, yeah. copy them. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Doom Patrol might do it better. I'm, At least more uh, respectfully. I'm going to mostly agree with you. Yeah. Mostly. Okay. I think if we saw the other however many <laughs> personalities, then yeah. maybe I would fully agree with you, but we don't go there. That's true. So Barry visits Dr. Fletcher again, and this time Dr. Fletcher mentions Kevin's 23 distinct identities. Right. Kevin is the host, the main identity of this 23 personality person. Right, and she drops this whole exposition now on Dennis. Right. Because now Dennis is talking to her. It's the first time she's really met Dennis. Well, at this point, she's still she's convinced it's Dennis, but he's still denying he's that still he's still denying this. Yeah, that's right. Like, no, it's just me. It's Barry. Well, she kind of plays this one card where she says, like, I have this power where I can recall Kevin if I need to. Right. If I incite Kevin's full name, he'll he'll, he'll come back. Come forward. Right. He'll, he'll capture the light or whatever it is. Exactly. But I won't do that because she's respectful of the different personalities. Sure. But she tells him that she believes he's actually Dennis, and she understands why the Dennis personality was necessary to protect Kevin. She really, she gets down on a level and she sympathizes with Dennis. And then she brings up the 24th identity. It's a really, really fantastic bit of writing. Yeah. When you think about it. It's well because done. it's one of those things of, you understand that he has these three girls kidnapped back at headquarters or wherever they are. But then she's also talking to him like he's a victim. Yeah. So it's just layers deep at this point. Yeah. And she mentions the 24th identity, the beast. Sure. Which causes Dennis to come clean about impersonating Barry and the shift that he does when he goes from Barry to Dennis. It's so good. It's not even that it's just in the voice because it's very much in the voice. But it's in the posture but it's and the, in the facial expressions. The posture was the one that did it for me. So Because good. you just see him not even get this air of confidence in him. You just see him physically look just a little bit bigger. Tonally shift. And yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's so Or Barry good. was not even loosey-goosey, if you will. Yeah. But when, just he, when he becomes relaxed. Dennis, you see him just like stoic. Exactly. That is exactly the word I would have used. I really, really enjoy a lot of this movie. Yeah. And that's just proper acting on the, yeah. on the part of James McAvoy right there. I wouldn't expect him to be in this role. No. It doesn't make really? sense from the stuff that I've seen him in. Because, I mean, you obviously have him as Mr. Tumnus in Chronicles of Narnia. It's like, that was early McAvoy. Sure. Fine. Yeah, I really like what he did in Atonement. I thought he was very good in that. I really like him in the X-Men films. Yeah. The one I've seen so yeah. far. He was in Wanted also, wasn't he? Was that him? Yes. He plays he's, Wesley. He's very good oh, in that. Well, Wesley? Sure. Wellesley? Doesn't Wesley? matter. I think he's Wesley. Not important right now. But he just doesn't come across as that type of actor to me that you're expecting this gigantic depth out of. I would recommend seeing the movie Filth. Who's in that? Him? James McAvoy. But besides that? And he's it's a, it's a John S. Baird film. And it's him. It's Jamie Bell. It's a smaller movie, but he's- So is this. He is very good in it. Okay. And he has this same kind of- Duality? Weirdness to him. That oh, is, okay. It's-, it's there you go. Proper. Brian recommends Filth. There it is. Filth. It's an interesting movie. Right. And if you can't remember that name later on, just remember this movie takes place in Philadelphia and it's filthy. So yep, just you, you can connect it that Phil-thadelphia. way. Philadelphia. You're welcome. While James McAvoy is away, Claire and Marsha attempt to escape the rooms. They yell at each other through the walls and Marsha's <laughs> like, I found a wire hanger. I'm going to fold it in a way that it goes over the door and can unlock this bolt. And it's the most unrealistic scene in the movie. Yep. <laughs> it's one of those things of like, we've all used a wire hanger before. Yeah. And they're flimsy as all hell. They sure are. They're not great to have. And we've all had 
like we've all locked the door before with like one of those slide bolt things. Yeah. You got to put some effort into it. You really do. It's not going to work with a with no. a wire hanger and she is unsuccessful. For a while she's unsuccessful. Well, she'll get there, but we're not for a while. Yeah. I can't even imagine filming that. No. <laughs> I would even look. It's one of those things just leave the camera. We're going to go take lunch. You guys figure this out. Just, just run it around for an a hour lot. or so. <laughs> just do you see that it's just a oneer on this clothes hanger and the the slide bolt and just slap it into it for a while. It's like, man, Filmmaking's boring. And it goes on for a while. (laughs) Dr. Fletcher has a bad feeling about things. So she goes to visit Kevin's home. Because she gets email after email after email. She gets a a ton of emails. We need your help. Yeah. We, 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 we. We, 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 we. It's important. So she goes to Kevin's home and she's greeted by Dennis. Right. We this is the first time we're like outside of his home, and it's just a big concrete building sort of thing, like decorative bricks. And there's a, a gate. Yeah. That's just an entrance, and the, the cab driver's like, it's closed. You can't even get in. I didn't think anything of it. Me either. So good on you, movie. Think on. Good yeah. on you. Words, man. I can't even make them because I was that flabbergasted. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Not now. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Dennis invites her inside and they continue to discuss the beast as well as the horde, which is the name given to the various identities that are controlling Kevin, like uh, Patricia, Hedwig, and Dennis. Really. Sure. It's those three. Mostly because that's the ones we know. Yeah. And this movie needs to stay within itself, if you will. (laughs) Dr. Fletcher genuinely becomes terrified. And she's like, I have to go. Yeah, she's not a great actress throughout this entire movie. She plays a very good therapist because you feel like she is a therapist. but She's definitely therapizing. She's dropping dialogue that just does not feel natural at all. At all. But here, you see the quick switch in her head go, I'm a little bit fucked right now, but Some, I need to bad keep this act up. Exactly. And I think that is a very cool acting choice by her. So yeah. good for her. So she she goes to leave, but before she does, she decides to check this one locked room by the exit. And there she finds Claire. It's not even that. It's that on a whim, she decides to stuff a napkin into the door oh, that's of true. the kitchen. Which, which doesn't make weird any choice. sense at all. Got to stuff this napkin in the door before I leave. Right. And I, then I, I stuff a napkin in every room. door. Before I leave it, just every. The more uncomfortable oh I feel, the more likely I am to spend extra time in a place doing something weird that might get me caught and possibly killed. Right. Of course. As we all know. That's just human nature. Of course. They've written books about it, Brian. <laughs> Stuffing napkins and doors and you. <laughs> so she finds Claire and she's like, oh no, this is totally fucked. This is totally fucked. And she's not even going to do anything besides just sit there she and just act. Stands there and and starts crying. Right. A I'd imagine that the direction that she got was be upset, be terrified. Yeah. And she went, ah, you're going to be Should I go to the door that's going to get me out of here to save everybody <laughs> in this movie? No. I'm going to be no, paralyzed. No, no. Paralyzed with fear. And then Dennis is going to walk up to you and he's going to hit you with the crazy purple knockout gas. Right. Got her. Got her. Casey, this whole time, has been using a nail that she conveniently found on the floor of her cell to start digging out the lock in her door. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she does. She gets into the next room, which is also locked, it's also which locked. was established earlier in the movie, right. which is fine. But there's a laptop in the next room. No, it's not a laptop. Oh, you're right. It's not a laptop. It is a full-blown old-school old computer. desktop computer that has she... one of the, the mouses that doesn't react well. You have to imagine it's a ball mouse. You oh, have for to sure. And it's not a clean ball. Despite the fact that Dennis is probably clean and everything probably. so many times. Did you ever steal those things? The balls? When were, yeah, when you were in school. What's the statute of limitations on that? Unsure? Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, it's 40 years of statute? Oh, shit. I mean, no, I've never done that. That's silly. 
Who would get their jollies off of something like that? That's so dumb. Yeah. We only had one computer lab in our middle school. Really? Yeah. We had two. Oh. Whoa. Look at you. It was a big lab, but it was oh, it was just right. one. Ours was not big. It was oh. it was small, in fact. I think it's the word for it. I think that's the opposite of big. Yeah. And as I'm, we know, if you're not if you're not big, you're probably mean. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Short people are very, very mean. Because tall people are nice. We just we established that earlier. It's weird that like my only thought I remember having about this computer lab is I remember the teacher was a fucking idiot. He didn't know what he was doing oh. any time. Yep. Fine. Yep. It's like IT crowd gen, like you've worked with computers before. Like, yeah, email, the mouse clicking, <laughs> right clicking. Right clicking, yeah. <laughs> but I remember I was like one of the first people in school to have a CD burner. Ooh. Do you have any idea how cool the that makes power. you? Yeah. It's like, hey. Hey, you got you a Napster? You want a mixtape? <laughs> you you trying, to, trying to give me that new Little I Biscuit album? I understood the power of the mixtape. Oh, yeah. For like two months. It wasn't long. <laughs> and then some other kid that was actually cooler than me also got a CD burner. Yep. Yeah, it uh, it really. And then I just became my cred mixtape for the nerds. <laughs> you said Chumbawamba on repeat. Okay, yeah, okay, no yeah, problem. Just you got just, it. Just tub thumping forever. That's all you want. Okay, you got to give me two dollars though. Right, you got to cost a dollar fifty and got to cover the cost Pop, of the Papa CDR. Papa needs a little taste. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, ten percent of it's going to. Ch- oh, never mind. Nope. <laughs> But if you do go to our Super Stuff store on kpodcaster.com, 10% of sales there are going to Extra Life Foundation, which it helps out the Children's Miracle Network. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to a good cause. Put our stuff on your body and help the kids. I mean, that you, that nailed it. Yep. Nailed it. I'm the best pitch man there was. Put our stuff on your body and help the kids. Billy Mays here. No. He's dead. Oh, well, then go ahead. Billy Mays here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know Billy Mays is dead. <laughs> that guy did. All the cocaine. Oh, I'm surprised so there's cocaine. any left. <laughs> but if you call now, double- Oh, wait, the, there's more. Double the cocaine for the price of one cocaine. <laughs> I'm glad we're in agreement that saying cocaine- Oh, of course. Is so much is there than saying- Another way to say it? Cocaine. I've like never, a nerd. I've heard that before. She don't like, she don't like, she don't like- Cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the live version of that song. Yeah. Cocaine. <laughs> So on this ancient-ass computer, she pulls up a bunch of videos, and there's videos of all of Kevin's identities. It's not even a bunch of videos. It's the only thing that's on the desktop. Right. One video for each identity. Right. That's awfully fucking convenient. How about that? Hold on. Hey, there it is. Favreau showed up to do the desktop of this computer. Yep. He needed it badly. He needed to show up because that's silly. (laughs) That is so (laughs) silly. Heavy-handed salute. Check. If, if you had heavy-handed salute on your Kate Podcasters bingo card, you can mug that off right now. Derek Ives probably did not. No, he probably put it on a few times. That's it's probably because free I space. Overuse it. That's the <laughs> point. Actually, <laughs> I thought about it. I do overuse it. Yeah. No, I feel like we've been good about it recently. Did you see it coming for this moment here? No, actually. Oh, I did. Did you just heavy hand your own heavy hand? I did. Oh. Just if, to annoy one person. If you had meta joke <laughs> on your Kate Podcasters bingo card, you can mark that off right now. That can't be anybody. <laughs> it can't be. So she sees a video by, uh, of Orwell, and he's discussing philosophy. And then she sees another one, Jade, who has diabetes, like sure. we talked about earlier. That's her only defining factor is having it's, diabetes. She's got diabetes. <laughs> we got two characters. One is philosophical and one has diabetes. And then she notices somebody pick up keys or put down keys. Barry. Barry does something with the keys in the video, and she's like, the keys are in the room. 
Right. She goes the to call where Barry is coming went to. from inside the room. <laughs> exactly. She goes to the, the back and there's the keys. How about that? That seemed easy enough. She's getting clues, damn it. She's a huntress. A huntress. I like that. Dennis starts to transform into the beast. He's significantly taller, stronger, and vainier than He's all of his other identities. He's very veiny. It's a lot like the, was it the Batwing in Waiting? Yes. It's so veiny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that's the standout feature of this character, Veins. <laughs> he returns home, and he finds Dr. Fletcher writing something on a piece of paper. And she gets freaked out when she sees him. She grabs a small knife, and he goes over, and he grabs her. She starts trying to stab him, but the knife breaks. Which is awesome! So cool! We finally have a, like a bit of a supernatural thing going on in this movie, and you go, Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, how about that? This guy is crazy, but also not crazy. How about that? I really, really like that. And then the beast squeezes Dr. Fletcher until her spine snaps and she dies. Right. She hugged the big old hug to death. He's just like, I love you so much. Dead. Easy enough. Yeah. Right? That's, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it with love. Do it with love. Hell for Kill love. Kill him with kindness. <laughs> Casey finds the keys and she gets out of the room and she tries to find the other girls. She finds Marsha dead with her stomach ripped open. Right, her insides are outsides. Her insides have become outsides. Not ideal. No, it's not what you want. No. Medically, bad. She's like, well, not not going to save her. Let's go to the next room. What's (laughs) what's behind door number two? (laughs) So she opens up the next door to find Claire alive. And then she immediately gets dragged away by the beast. Right. And then naturally, whenever I watch someone get dragged away, I go, man. I should hang out and watch. I want to know where you got dragged to. I want to know what's happening. I just saw other girl with her. Her chest all ripped her up. Entrails. We should say that Marsha did take off her skirt and then she had to be pantsless right. for quite some time. And I wrote, oh, that poor girl. You got to be pantsless in this movie the entire time. Yeah. But when your buddy gets dragged away, don't follow. Don't follow. Especially if it's somebody who pity invited you to her birthday party. Right. And then you got kidnapped because of her. Well, realistically, Dennis is, no, Dennis isn't there. It's the beast now. It's the beast. But the beast is pulling off a Mac system here because Dennis had set all this stuff up and now he's moving in after completion. Right. I, I took this as a separate entirely. Did you? I I took the separate entirely as when he turned into the beast initially. Oh, see, I was I always took it as, as you have to separate the girls from their insides. From the oh, well, I took that as the the Frank system of I'm here for the scraps. That makes even more sense, actually. So I guess that's where we're at right so now. So the beast is pulling off all three systems simultaneously. Of all three. So he's got twenty seven different personalities going on in there. Then yeah, realistically, yeah. At least isn't that goddamn bird. D. <laughs> <laughs> and one of his personalities is the trash man. <laughs> and you imagine he's like eating Claire's like lower intestine. He looks up, he goes, Day man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did this come from? <laughs> and then out of the from behind, you you see, I came here. I came here because I'm hungry. It's rickety cricket. Of course. Just popping in. Does grace over the dead body. Man, that's that there before so they good. eat. <laughs> so good. Then, of course, you get Charlie popping in after going, what kind of meat is it? What kind of human meat is it? I've got the taste. That was actually a very good Charlie, and I'm upset because we hadn't mentioned Charlie yet, and I was going to use him for my post credit. Well. And now it's gone. There are lots of other characters still to, to come yeah, up. Yeah, but now it seems obvious. Did I nail it? Yeah. Bump it. I will not. <laughs> I'm going to salt the snail. <laughs> I, I did hold my hand limply out to Brian McPoyle style to bump it. He chose not to. It's gross. I'm very offended. Yeah. Go drink some milk or something. <laughs> Stab somebody! <laughs> so the beast is like, 
going to start chasing Casey now, obviously, because she's trying to get away. And she finds the paper that Dr. Fletcher wrote on. (laughs) (laughs) Words are a thing. Aren't they? When you put them together. They make make sentences. sentences. On the paper, it says, say his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb. Right. What a name. I was half expecting her to turn and go, Heisenberg. (laughs) The one who knocks. Uh, (laughs) That's not going to be your kill line. I'm the one who knocks. The beast finds Casey, and she starts repeatedly shouting his name, making him revert to normal. Sure. She followed the rules. Boom. Flashback. Kevin's mother yells at him as a child, saying his full name and telling him he's made a mess. Gotta clean it up. Flashback forward. Flash forward. I guess you wouldn't say flashback forward. That's confusing. Very confusing. Present day Kevin has no memory of what he's done, as Casey tells him, you just killed Dr. Fletcher and Claire and Marsha. Yeah, and he says, isn't it September 18th, was it 2016, whatever September it is? 8th, 2014. Important date, because it is the date that Brexit did their vote for, or not Brexit, just Scotland was going right. to leave the Scotland was, the Great was fucking off from the rest right. of the GB. It didn't work. It didn't happen. But apparently it was a date that we needed to use because James McAvoy is Scottish. Yep. And who gives a fuck? James McAvoy does. The more you know. Uh, that was an actual day fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I facted. He tells Casey. Bump it. I will not. <laughs> he tells Casey there's a gun in one of the cabinets and shells in his locker and begs her to kill him. Yeah. And that's when all of the other identities start coming forward. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't kill him. He's being a little crazy right now. Uh, obviously, we live here too. Don't kill him. And eventually, Hedwig takes over. And because he doesn't want to be made fun of anymore, he's going to turn the body over to Dennis and Patricia, who then immediately invoke the beast once again. Of course. So Casey runs. She does run after saying do. after saying his name again, and they say like, right? And Patricia's no, like, he's asleep now. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so we've established a rule, and then we just threw that rule out the window. That is considered house rules at that point for filmmaking. It would be like if you came here and you played Monopoly with me, and then I went to your house to play Monopoly with you. We're going to have different house rules. Sure. This film has established house rules. And then and said, instantly said, nope. nope, out the window. They also established that there is a, a waiting room where everybody sits in a circle in chairs for the light. Right. And what Patricia says is, we sent Kevin to sleep somewhere else. So he wouldn't be open to hearing. I don't know. I don't it's, know. You're right. They broke the rules. They broke the they rules broke the of the rules. movie. It's yeah. effective. It works cool. in this. If you don't think about it, right. it's great. As long as you don't harp on it, you're like, all right, can't get Kevin back. No, nope. so. Kevin's gone. Kevin's weak. That's Kevin's what Dennis said. Weak. Casey runs, and the beast takes chase. We should say the beast does some fucky things because he can climb walls and whatnot. He sure can. And He's visually, got spider powers. It is wild to see. It is so cool. Casey finds the shells and she loads them into the gun. And the beast is crawling up the walls and on the ceiling and taking out lights so Casey can't see him to shoot him. It is so good because you see him crawling upside down on the ceiling and then knocking out a light so you see that light disappear. And you see him crawl a little further forward, knock the light disappear. And then he's just living in a shadow and you can barely see what he's going to do. It's it's fucking wonderful. very good. Very quickly, I want to go back to when Dr. Fletcher was still alive, how when she was all purple knockout gassed up. Yeah. They used this extremely shallow focus that there was only realistically- Maybe one foot that she could have stood in on this entire set to be in focus. Yeah. And that's what she walks into with the knife. And even when she leans forward, she goes, it's one of those things of this movie is using just the perfect lenses all the time in order to get the point across. So good. It's one of those things when you think cinematography, it's not just how pretty something looks. It's how effective it is. Right. To tell the story. Tell the story and elicit emotion. Exactly. This movie 
nailing it. Oh my god, the cinematography is just—it's beautiful. Who it was is the cinematographer so well on done. this? It's a guy. Cool. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He. Did, I didn't look it up. The I, IMDb. It's. The I need to apologize to whoever Internet that man movie is. Movie Dave base. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty. I didn't look it up. Damn it. But here we are. But here we are. I guess we'll never know. Never gonna know. He's good though. For him, bump it. Not gonna bump your limp hand. It's so weird. <laughs> it could be weirder. I would prefer if you did not make it weirder. Oh no. <laughs> Dave did the the McPoyle slurp with the tongue and yeah. the. No, 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 no. What? No, no, no. Why? No. What's wrong with it? Stop it. What? What's wrong about people from Philadelphia, Brian? Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, see, it's weird, isn't it? It's it's horrible because I had to watch Sean be here from Nerdy Thursday. And, and do it a, unironically? He, unironically. He loved licking his mustache. Gross. It's just gross. It's, it's wrong. Don't like it. Uh, don't stand for it. So the bee starts attacking Casey, ripping her shirt, biting her leg. She gets away. And she closes herself in a cage and she reloads the shotgun. Right. There's a cage wherever she is. She can't get out. She just, just right. decides I'm going to stay safe and survive. She jails herself. Yes. And the beast starts bending the cage bars to get in. Oh my God, McAvoy. So good. He is terrifying. And she shoots him at point blank range. Twice. Twice. Yeah. And he is fine. He goes down and then he quickly gets back up. He gets again. right back up. Pours the like... milk on those wounds and he is just <laughs> right back into it. And then he notices these uh, multiple scars on Casey's body. When you say multiple, I feel like you're saying like, oh, she had an appendectomy at one point. No. no, 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 no. She's had a really, really rough go of life. Yeah, her body is extremely scarred. These are probably mostly self harm scars. I Absolutely, would yeah, they, is the way I took it. Yeah, and uh, we get a little flashback. We see little Casey after her father's funeral, and Uncle John, you know, nice Uncle John, he tells her that he's going to be her new guardian, and hopefully now she won't give him such a hard time. I have a feeling that's not going to be the case. Oh, my God. It's very weird how you have a victim and a victim. Yeah. So when we do the super stuff score, this is going to be real wild. It's going to be tricky. But it's interesting because it's, is James McAvoy the bad guy? The answer is yes, yes and. and. It's it's a weird oh, improv answer improv. of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, Casey is properly a victim also. Oh, yeah. But wow, this is interesting. It this is, is a really Interesting it's setup. Such an interesting setup. So the beast proclaims that Casey is pure hearted because she's broken and he leaves her alone. Bye. That's it. He just he's like, Oh, you're good. <laughs> we're oh we good? Are we good? We're good. We're oh, good. All I right, we're good. I didn't mean all that stuff. I hope your leg's okay. Like, I'm sorry I attacked you. I didn't realize that you were just as broken hey, as me. Maybe next time take your shirt off earlier, okay? Right? Like okay. Maybe don't wear seven shirts. It's too many shirts. I love that. <laughs> what is uh, Hedwig is like, yeah, Dennis said you wear a lot of shirts. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dennis is a creep. He is a creep. Uh, not long after that, a security guard finds Casey and he carries her outside safely, revealing that Kevin's home slash hideout is below the Philadelphia Zoo. How about that? And we see all these other animals in cages and we're like, oh my God, the beast. The beast. It's an amalgamation of other animals within a zoo. Yes. I found that to be needless, but it works. The beast also, especially the way that Dr. Felcher or Dr. Fletcher describes it is exactly the same way that Mr. Glass's mother describes the evil guy in the comic book that she gives to her son. You're absolutely right. Fantastic. 100%. I thought this was like an excuse to use a location, and that's okay. 
That's it I works mean, for the story. It absolutely works for the story, especially because the Philadelphia Zoo does have a, an entire underground area. There you go for for servicing the the various. What I feel like they would definitely notice somebody living down there, though. Uh, they might have. I would hope very much Philly, known that he lives so. there and not given a damn about it. That's true. Because I mean, Doctor Fletcher finds him no problem, which means he's probably registered to live at whatever this is. Maybe the I don't zoo. know. Medics arrive. They take Casey in. Kevin is somewhere by himself with the horde controlling him completely now. And Patricia says the beast will protect them. They're doing a really cool thing where like he's talking into a mirror, but it's it's Hedwig and Patricia and Dennis talking with each other. It's a very cool thing. I found this part to be very forced as well, though. It was a, yeah, where it was a little. It's like we knew this would happen at some point with the mirrors and stuff right. like that. Of Oh, he's got to look at himself. It's a Gollum Smeagol situation happening here. Match. So it it's fine. It's fine. It's effective. It's fine. It yeah. works. Also at the zoo, you have uh, Casey in the police car, and you have this moment where the cops are very much there, and she's and, yeah. and the one police lady says, "Hey, uh, your guardian's here to pick you up, your uncle," and she gives like this look, and like, it's one of those things of you just went through this severe trauma. Yeah, are you going to go with this guy? Like clearly, you survive because of this trauma that you experienced, and you learned from it as a character, which is great for you as a character. Yeah, but it's real shitty IRL, and they don't ever tell you if she went or not. Right. And I really, really like that they left that alone. Because, I kind of took it as yeah. like, uh, the nightmare's not over for her yet. I don't think the nightmare is ever going to end for her, unfortunately, yeah. as that character. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. But at the same time, you don't know, because now she might be stronger than ever. Right. For all you know, there's a dead Uncle John that night. Who knows? Possibly. Or she tells the cop, hey, I can't go with him because. because Maybe right. she's finally discovered something inside herself, but we're never going to know. And I really we're like ne- the choice from Night never gonna to know say until we talk about another movie. Leave it alone. Is it in there? I I don't know. She's in the movie, so probably. I I didn't think I'd be excited for Glass. Yeah. And I'm extremely excited for Glass. And I really want to know Casey's story, how that resolves. I'm curious too. Very much so. This is exciting. Meanwhile, at a diner, people are watching the news report on what Kevin did, and the anger woman mentions how the beast identity displayed characteristics of the animals in the enclosures where he worked. And a patron at the diner mentions the case is strikingly similar to a man in a wheelchair from 15 years earlier, but she can't quite remember his name. And the man next to her replies, Mr. Glass. And it's Bruce fucking Willies! Bruce Willies! Bruce Willies is here! Bruce Willies! He's here! David Dunn, Unbreakable, Episode 81, The Worst Kept Secret in Movie History, The Twist We All Saw Coming Because M. Night Shyamalan Couldn't Even Wait for the Movie to Finish Premiering Before He Announced a Sequel Featuring Characters from Both Films! Right! Woohoo! It was an anti-twist! He... Blew his own twist. That's fine. Classic Maybe M. Night Shyamalan. That was the twist. That Shyamalan would that Shyamalan ruin the twist? Ruin the twist. I really like it, though. Yeah. I think it's great. It's I think it's phenomenal. A, it's a wonderful little lean into that story, that world of, hey, this is all connected. Guess how? I don't know. Another fucking movie coming, bud. We'll find out. Yeah. The, the thing I didn't like about the twist is I knew it was coming the whole movie, and I, I was did too. waiting for it the whole time. But Especially I kind of, the closer it got to the end, the more I was like, where's Bruce Willis? Where's Bruce Willis? I was doing the exact same thing yeah. when I'm like, he's going to drop in. He's going to get wet or something and not be able to fight or whatever it is. <laughs> and it never happened. It, it, never let, happened. The, it let this story play out, yeah, which I, guess, I really liked. I guess um, the final scene here in the diner wasn't in the shooting script. It wasn't in any of the test screenings because they wanted to keep this a secret. And then he decided, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm not going to keep it a secret. Even though he didn't call this a sequel. <laughs> no. He called this. No point. So, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. By the way, this is that split from that split from, from 2017. Nailed it. By the M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> came out and he said, "Like this isn't a sequel. This is like a new type of concept of there's 
this movie, then this movie, and then the the, the wrap up. Yeah. To which everyone went, that's, that's a trilogy, bud. That's what you call, yeah. That's three movies <laughs> in the same, that's a trilogy. And he went, no, it's, it's a new no, concept. It's a new concept. Trust it's two me. completely separate movies that share a sequel. Right. And then it becomes the third thing to yeah, wrap yeah, yeah. it all that's, up. That's a trilogy, bud. You didn't invent that. <laughs> the twist is that you didn't come up with that your own. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's a great movie. Ah, uh, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. I think it's a very good movie, though. I really, really, really like a lot of things in this movie. There are good things. I don't feel like I ever need to watch it again. I'm okay with that. It's really long for what it is. It's not even two hours. No. But it is it long. It feels long. There seems to be a lot of things that don't need to be in there. Yeah. But then also, M. Night Shyamalan is very deliberate with his pacing. Right. And that just naturally makes it long to start because he takes his time. Yeah, that checks out. But it's doing it for a reason. It's yeah. a great reason why he's taking his time. And the thing about M. Night Shyamalan is he knows when something isn't necessary to the story and he'll take it out. Like Sterling K. Brown, who was in this movie as the neighbor, and he's not in the movie what now. What sucks is when I read that, that Sterling K. Brown had this entire side story of yeah. being the neighbor of the therapist. Yeah. And then I just cut it. Uh, Disney Plus put out this documentary called Into the Unknown. It's Making a Frozen 2. It makes filmmaking look in- insanely easy when it's really fucking not. It's <laughs> Disneyfied filmmaking, realistically. Sure. And Sterling K. Brown found out that his song got cut from there. Oh, no. And I went, oh, no, again? You got cut again? He's so good, too. He's great like, in what? everything. I've never seen him in something and went, oh, this guy. Oh, He's God. Sterling K. Fantastic. Brown again. And He's I can't great. wait for the next season of This Is Us to start. I know you can't. That's <laughs> fine. Bump it. I'm not even humoring it anymore. That's the right move. That's all around the right move. Question for you. Yeah, bud. James McAvoy in this movie. Yeah. How is he? I think it is a very, very good job. Do you think Joaquin Phoenix would have done a better job? I don't. I think it would have been over the top. Because he was originally yes, he was. attached. I think it would have been too much. Joaquin Phoenix right. is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. But I think you need uh, a slightly more subdued actor to pull it off. Yeah. To make it a little more believable. Yeah. Where I think you can believe the split personality thing a little bit more from a Joaquin Phoenix, just because he can go over the top in a believable way. Yeah. But James McAvoy wouldn't expect this performance out of. And he so good. delivers. Absolutely. He delivers hard. There are these subtle moments where you're like, I can't believe he just did that. Yeah. It's impressive. He does a really cool trick of when you're learning about the different personalities that exist within Kevin. You don't know who to trust. Right. And you don't know what to believe you don't know is this a guy putting on an act is this an actual disorder and it makes it very tricky to follow the character but it feels interesting the entire time because you just don't know as the audience you have no clue mystery you're really in in the seat of these girls who are kidnapped who are trying to figure this guy out too what is happening very yeah exactly oh it's great and there's no distractions around you're in a windowless room this is the story yeah this is what's happening m night Shyamalan did a great job it's very good. It's definitely better than The Village. I mean, don't compare apples to apples. There's a thing <laughs> where <laughs> I, I don't understand why people compare filmography so much to other things. I don't understand it. The reason why I like this movie so much is because, yeah, you had M. Night Shyamalan who did Unbreakable, did The Sixth Sense, and they were great. Yeah. Then he went off to do The Village and he did Signs, and they got a little mixed. And you're obviously looking for these different types of twists at this point. He's yeah. kind of got his trick under his sleeve and you're waiting for it. Everyone makes fun of it. That's we all true. know M. Night Shyamalan at this point. Twist. He goes on New Lady in the Water. You're waiting for something. It's not a great story. The happening, the same thing. It's all these huge budget thrillers yeah. that have almost no substance. 
And you're taking that off of him doing movies like Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, that had smaller budgets where he had to get a little more creative. He got to play Absolutely. around a little bit more. And here he puts his own money up for it. $9 million makes split. It's on his terms. Yeah. Everything is on him, sir, his true. terms. He gets to make an M. Night Shyamalan movie again. Yeah. And he only has one really well-known actor in it, James McAvoy. And he has all these, I'm not going to call them unknowns, but they're very much lesser-known people. Oh, for sure. And it works. It does. It all works. And it's because he gets to do something on his own terms, with his own money. He gets to tell the story in his own way. He doesn't have to deal with these Hollywood fucking suits telling him how to do this yeah. stuff anymore. It's great. I think that M. Night Shyamalan, he, he pulled off a magic trick with this one. I think it's good. I'll praise him all day. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Do you think it's better than Unbreakable? Parts of it are. I think it's more interesting than Unbreakable. Okay. I think the twist in Unbreakable is very good in the middle of that movie where you find out like, no, he actually is a superhero. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of a, a great moment there. I do think this is better than Unbreakable. Okay. I don't, personally. I yeah. think Unbreakable is better, but that's the beautiful thing. Isn't that nice, though? Yeah. I I really like Unbreakable, though. Exactly. So it's, I don't yeah. think this is a bad movie. I, I think don't think we're, good movie. we're losing um, on either end of this thing. But yeah, it's- it's one that I've seen now, and I, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Let's see what other people think about this thing. Rotten Tomatoes, 100. Go ahead. 78. 77. Oh, man. <laughs> Audience score 79 also, by the way. Oh, wow. So you were, uh, you're one off Bing. both times, you dope. Way to, way to get with the people. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. I went with the average like a jackass. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> Roger Ebert did not see this movie because he had band practice that day. <laughs> of course. Couldn't get out of it. Nope. Wasn't allowed. Once you're in the band. You got to stick with that band. You got to stick with the band. Right. People who did see this thing, though. Lindsay Barr? Bear? B-A-H-R. Oh. Barr. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a golf, guff, exactly. go situation. Associated Press. She says, Split isn't a disaster. It's just all over the place and not nearly as effective as it should be for something with such a good premise and performances. No. Okay. I agree with the per the premise and performances part, but I don't disagree. I, I do disagree that it's a mess. Fair it, enough. It bounces back and forth a lot between the therapist and- The and hunting the, and the main story. Yeah. That's all there is. But that's all there is. That's I mean, pretty clean, in fact. Yeah. I'd say. Fair enough. Yeah. Christy Lemire from RogerEbert.com says, a rare straight-up horror film from Shyamalan. Split is a thrilling reminder of what a technical master he can be. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Technically, this movie is great. He said it was one of the most challenging to film of his career. Good. He needs that. He does. And I think the small budget put the kind of restrictions on him that he needed to excel. Absolutely. Because Kyle said, I think it was in our Patreon episode, that you need creative, or maybe it was in Men in Black. He Kyle said, said whatever you're about to say. Whatever, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Wherever it was, Kyle said, you need to have- you need From to experience place... grind fame, of course. Exactly. Go listen. You need to have these creative- restrictions put on you in order to excel at whatever you're doing. If you're given free reign- You're not as creative. Exactly. At that point. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think the I $9 million dollar budget definitely helped. I agree. Amy Nicholson, MTV. She also has a great podcast with Paul Shear called Unspooled. Right. She says, Shyamalan's popcorn picture is head-scramblingly strange. That's a word. Head-scramblingly. Yeah. I like it. A chiller where both the bad guy and his victims are, well, victims. Yeah. I like that. That is, yeah. It's nice. Accurate, too. Yeah, I agree. It's good when reviews are accurate. Isn't that nice? She gave, <laughs> she gave it a B. That's good. Yeah, nailed it. Fine. I think that's, yeah, proper. <laughs> uh, speaking of beasts, by the way. Uh-oh. The beasts on Amazon.com. So the veiny. Horde. So <laughs> the, veiny. The most veiny people I've ever met. 
This movie got a 4.6 out of 5 out of 15,000 reviews. Okay. Wow. 78% R5 star, only 2% 1 star. Okay. Low. A lot of broken discs. Interesting. I did pull four reviews, though. Okay. So from April 25th, 2017, Amazon One Stars. One thing I am not split on is that this movie is terrible. The biggest (laughs) twist is that there is no twist. What? You go through the whole movie tolerating it, hoping for some redeeming surprise ending, and there simply isn't one. And the casting of the three mini Kardashians in crop tops makes this feel like some straight-to-video slasher movie. I think M. Night needs to call it a day. I really dislike that review (laughs) on so many levels. I don't even know where to start with it. Oh, my God. He's upset that an M. Night Shyamalan movie doesn't have a twist, that it just said, hey, I'm going to tell a story here, bud. Yeah. Also, kind of had a twist. (laughs) Kind of had a twist at the end. Kind of had a couple. Do you think that's fair? For people to get upset with M. Night Shyamalan for not including his signature touch. No, I don't think that's fair. Do you think that M. Night Shyamalan kind of pigeonholed himself into that signature touch? I think maybe a little bit, but at the same time, let the man make the movie he wants to make. Right, especially when it's his money. Yeah, I I can't see Go to town. Oh, he didn't include a twist. Why did I even go see this? He's the twist guy. (laughs) Like, come on. I agree. From May 23rd, 2018. Crap-ass movie, yo. Nice. Is that the whole thing? That's it. Crap-ass movie, yo. <laughs> I love it. That's the most Philadelphia review I've ever oh, read. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. You just picked that one up from a Wawa. It's the best. <laughs> from April 15th, 2017, the dude wearing a dress is so cliche. The dude. That's the whole review. I'm sorry. What part of that is so cliche? Uh, the dude wearing the dress is so Cliche. Oh my God. James McAvoy. Cliche. <laughs> the way he's 23 different people and one Wearing of them a dress wears a dress. <laughs> the bald one with the dress and the, and the. I do like how he changes outfits depending on the character. That is which fun. Is nice. There's one scene where he does it especially well where you see the transition and he has like this open shirt and he turns into Patricia and he immediately covers up. Oh, it's, it's great. It's so subtle and so good. It's so good. It's because he's wearing a dress. It's cliche. It was a little bit cliche, I guess. Uh, <laughs> sure. Last one I have is from January 19, 2019. Jim Carrey is hilarious. Did I spell his name right? Either way, IDK, why I was charged for this, I done never seen it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> IDK, I done never seen it. Yep. Seen it. Jim Carrey is hilarious. Yep. So is that unconnected to the movie i think it's very very much me myself and irene joke that they were going for Oh, okay but i'm unsure unsure i have to assume though because it's not like i done seen me myself and irene right right, uh, right it's right. pretty funny actually but I, I ain't done seen this right so i don't really know if jim carrey's really funny in it or I if know. i or if i spell it right not important i guess or i decay because for for the first part of that i was like is this person really comparing James McAvoy to Jim Carrey in this movie? Because no. They're both named James. And when then, you think about it. And, and then it was, I done seen it. Yeah, that's when it really clicked in. And that's when I went, about. huh. And huh. kind of, huh, is huh? right. <laughs> right. All that's correct. Nailed it. Let's give this thing a super stuff score. We could do that. But I think instead. It is time for another edition of the Caped Podcasters Theater. What do you got this week? For this week's Caped Podcasters Theater, we have another another Keaton Patty script. Of course, another installment. What it always is. Uh, 
there was a, a common theme in this movie that I thought I thought we could explore a little more. Um, here's the setup from Keaton Patty himself. I forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of To Catch a Predator. <laughs> and then I asked it to write an episode of To Catch a Predator of its own. Here's the first page. Oh, dear. Dave, I'm going to give you a choice. Do you this want to play? This is the most scared I've been since we started doing this, by the way. Do you way. want to play Chris Hansen? Of course I want to play Chris Hansen. Or the Hansen. Predator. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's Chris Hansen. I want to play Chris Hansen. <laughs> then you will be Chris Hansen. I will be the Predator, and I will also be reading the narration. Now, when you say Chris Hansen and Predator difference, I know he, he got arrested for like larceny or something in Connecticut. I don't think long. that's the same. It's not the same thing. thing? No. Okay. No. In Larson. I mean, some maybe kids somebody or met him in a room and said, "Why don't you have a seat?" <laughs> it's a very kind way of approaching somebody. It is. That. Anyway. Anyway. To catch a predator, interior irresistible home. A predator <laughs> oozes into a kitchen, shirt stained and pants invisible. His body is offensively old and impolitely shaped. <laughs> what does that mean? Hello, I seek youth's embrace. Chris Hansen, a dog catcher of predators, enters with morals. Take a seat, Mr. Sick. Have a cookie. They're justice flavored. Chris puts a plate of cookies on a table. Predator does not eat. The cookies are too old for his dirty tastes. Why are you disgusting here today? <laughs> I'm not here today. I'm in Paris. Chris hears this lie every time and knows there is no Paris. We have logs of chat. You talking to what you think is a young boy. Really? Was old boy. 600 years. Impossible. I don't have computer. You confuse me with Bile Gates. <laughs> Another common predator lie taught at Pervert University. What is your job for a living? I own the bees. Chris is upset. <laughs> bee owner is one. <laughs> bee owner is the one job you do not want a pedophile to have. Chris catches the predator in an internet. <laughs> I am Chris Hansy with To Catch a Predator. You are a predator and caught. Also, you're free to go. Isle to Eiffel. Eiffel. <laughs> Isle to Eiffel's Tower. Since I'm in Paris, I say goodbye in French. The predator exits the kitchen, but is tackled by the police. The predator's bees watch and do not help. They laugh, honey. <laughs> and this has been another installment oh, of man. Caped Podcasters Theatre. You don't want them to have a beekeeper predator. It's bad. It's bad. It's very bad. So we've taken care of all of the predators. That's our the more you know for this one. For sure. <laughs> Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Please. Start off with story motivation. What and who? The story. The, st <laughs> the and story. Their motivation. Yeah, the story is uh you have a man who kidnaps these girls. Yes. Because he wants to sacrifice them. I guess. To the beast. To the beast. I think. I I think that like is a, uh, a sacrificial meal as he called them yeah but we don't know if that's a real thing or not turns out it is it is that doesn't really land all that well does it when you say it that way no not so much okay but the story is i mean it's pretty straightforward it is very straightforward it's really just it's the motivation that's that's weird yeah the story alone i think is 0.25 okay it's nothing terrific yeah it's a girl trying to escape and right and a, and a person yeah, exactly trying to not let exactly. her escape Motivation's a little weird because you do have James McAvoy, you kidnap these girls because of the sacrificial meal, as we find out, whatever yeah. it is. But then you have these girls who are trying to escape just to live, but to Casey live. has her own issues inside that right. I don't think it's motivation. I'm gonna go point two five overall. Point two five. I can't really talk myself into anything. I think that's fair. Hero. Who? I guess Casey. Okay. That's where I lean. I like Casey a lot because she does try to use her hunting instincts in yes. order to figure out who Kevin is. Right. At the end of the day, though, the thing that saves her is that she's broken, according to 
the beast. Right. Which is a bit wild. Yeah. Because what would the beast have done if he did try to eat her belly and saw the scars? Then would he have just done the same thing, realistically? Just stopped. Been like, oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. Whoops. Didn't see the scars. Right. I'll go uh, 0.5. She is very strong. She's very strong. But I just, I don't see how this situation is going to change. She saves herself. That's it. That's it. But, uh, I mean, survivor girl, really, if you want to break it down that way. I think 0.5 is. It's generous. It's generous. (laughs) Villains. Gotta be Kevin, even though he's a victim also. Right. Kevin is a victim. Dennis? Dennis is is kind of a victim, I guess. The Beast is. The Beast is not a victim. No, he's not. And I don't know that Patricia is either. You could argue that Hedwig is. So Hed- Hedwig, Patricia, and Dennis are the horde. Okay. I think we're... It's very confusing. It is very confusing. I think for the villain, you don't know what to make of him right. throughout this entire movie. Right. And then he becomes the horde and becomes this all-powerful being. And it seems a bit when it's when, silly. Yeah, when they talk about the beast, the whole movie, you're like, I don't know if that's real or not, or if that's something that's going on in this guy's head. Sure. And then it is real. It's kind of a worse get out. Yeah, I could see where that. Where you turn something a bit science fiction-y in the real world, but it's one of those things that you've established the real world way too hard in yeah. this one that it just doesn't make sense that it's going to become this almighty being who is the one who's keeping right. him there. So That's not dissimilar to Unbreakable, though. <laughs> yeah, it's also true. I'll go 0.25. No, I'll go 0.5. I think 0.5. I'll go 0.5. I, I, think, yeah. I think he deserves something there, especially because he succeeds. He, he gets does? away, and oh, did you have the the alternate ending? I did slapped on like, the alternate ending. Like in this Amazon thing. likes to do all yeah. of a sudden. Uh, weird, huh? The alternate <laughs> ending was M Night Shyamalan talking for a minute and a half and yeah. ten seconds of a scene, saying like, "This is my my vision here. We thought this it was what I was going to do. Dark. I thought this was too so, dark. And all it is is just it's James uh, McAvoy sitting on a roof looking at a school, and he's saying, "Oh, look how look at all these unpure souls. Exactly. It's like which means they're pure souls." Based on anybody else's standards. Correct. That's all it is. That's it. But it was too dark. So I guess so. Went a different way. I'm not sure to tell me that for a minute. Instead, he went with the mirror scene, which was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The lesser of two evils. Where are we? Point five for villains. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Parents. Uh, If you go off the hero, we have a dead dad. We got a dead dad. We know that. We We assume a dead mom because she's living with her uncle. Is that a point seven five? We can only guarantee a point. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's fine. Because we can only guarantee a dead dad. Yeah. We can't fully assume a dead mom. Right. Female characters. She's very good. Casey is very good. Casey's but, excellent. Uh, the other two- The other two girls- Are there. Are there. They're very- uh, Kardashian. I, honestly, I didn't want to go there because I didn't like the review, but yeah, that but part it's, wasn't it's, wrong. Yeah. They're very Kardashian. They're very self-involved, in their phones, impulsive. Yeah. They make poor decisions. So does the therapist. So does the therapist. But the therapist also has her own strengths here. I think the therapist has her own motivations here, where she gets a little t- a taste of that fame also doing the conference. Oh, that's and possible. And tries to dig even deeper. Yeah. I think I'm going to go 0.25. I don't care for him all that much. I like that every character in the movie other than James McAvoy was a female. Like I said, 0.5. Easy. <laughs> I didn't even recognize and that. definitely passes the Bechdel test. Wow. Like 100% passes. That's very good. Okay. So, point five it is. Setting. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's it. Which I believe. And also, we have the basement of the zoo, which is an awesome set. It's a very good set. And establishes exactly what it's supposed to. Full one. I think it is definitely a full one, which is, I believe, exactly what we gave on Breakable. Hey, how about that? So, Philadelphia. good on you, you ones. M. Night Shyamalan. If you know anything, it's Philly. Actually, no, we gave a one and a half for Unbreakable. 
Style and tone. Again, I like this set a lot. I like the tone that's laid out there. Of, you just don't know. Right. It's it's very mysterious, which I like in a horror movie. That's the way it should be, though. Yeah. I'm going to go one. Yeah. I think it's deserved for this one. Yeah, I think I think one is good here. Music. I don't remember. Music in horror movies <laughs> is always just so like, oh, who played the ominous tones in this right. one? I, I'm going to go zero because I can't actually remember any of it. Yeah. It was it was West Dylan Fordson. Oh. Who of also did like, Foxcatcher and Joy, which was the, the one movie with, what's her name? J-Law? Yeah, J-Law. And he also did Glass. Oh, goody. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I guess Shyamalan originally licensed music from Morricone. Okay. And then he decided, he's like, ah, it's too old-fashioned. So he hired this clown <laughs> to <laughs> write an original Morricone. Score. He was like, oh, we could use Morricone, but instead- Let's hire this guy who nobody's ever heard of. He reminds me of Jason Siegel for getting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Just playing ominous tones. It's getting kind of hard to believe. No. Things the, are going to the, get better. Uh, the, the Sarah Marshall show, whatever right. it was. Yeah, the that's... cop show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Zero. <laughs> it's a very good movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. One-liners. Nothing. Zero. Easy. Impact on the genre. Got a sequel. But didn't, but didn't, according to the director. I think Glass, he considers a sequel. Oh, my God. But this is not a sequel to What a pompous fucking asshole. <laughs> there it is. That's what I've been waiting oh for. Oh, my God. Uh, it's too bad this isn't a Patreon one because we we can't, we usually do director on Patreon. If we you're, do. If and he there. would get a one here until he'd said until that. Until he said, <laughs> he said that. It's not a oh, sequel. It's a this movie, this movie, and then a finale. It's a continuation that leads to a finale, but it's not a sequel. Fucking asshole, man. Oh, man. But. Impact on the genre. I'm going to go The point. genre, of course, oh, being yeah. comic book movies. 0.25. Generous, but yes. I agree it's generous, <laughs> but I like this movie. But I like Damn it. it. So fine. That's going to give Split a super stuff score, mind you, not a traditional comic book movie. Sure. A super stuff score of 4.75. I'm okay with that. I feel like it's, it's low for the movie that it is, but it's- where it belongs as far as superhero slash comic book movies. It is, well, it is the first true villain origin movie. That's true. Standalone. That's true. It is a standalone. It's the first. Ooh. Up that score by All right. 0.25. All right, we'll give it a 0.5. I think it's, that's I think... a weird afterthought, but it is. You're not and it's wrong recognized there. as that too, which is even crazier. I will give you that. All right, so it's a five. Fine. Nailed it. Cool. Perfect. It was, even, it was perfect before. It was great. It's even now. more perfect I now. I couldn't believe we did it. <laughs> good Good for us. Right. We we're found the, a way. We're the best. I guess the only question remaining is, what are we talking about next week? Oh, we're going to keep this Halloween train moving. Uh, we got a request on Facebook. So take note, listeners. We see your requests on Facebook, and we, we answer them. Right. We judge you behind your back. Yep. And then if we go- good or bad. And then we go, Reed Peters said he wants us to talk about Army of Darkness. Dave, do you think we should talk about Army of Darkness? We absolutely fucking should. And we shall. What a fantastic request. Great suggestion. And we are we're jumping on that. And we're gonna it might it might be beginning of November, but we're we're still counting it as Halloween season. Right. And because there are walking skeletons in that movie, of course we're gonna call on the ginger skull himself Naturally. to join us for this one. It only makes sense. It only makes sense. I'm pretty excited. Army of Darkness. You ever seen it? No, I have not. Oh, and, ooh, you're in for a treat. See, I have this one friend who recently found out I have never seen Hocus Pocus, and he was very upset, and I know for a fact he's going to be more upset when he hears I haven't seen this. Even better. I so, love knowing your friends are upset with you. Yeah. Perfect. 
Until then, write to us on Facebook, like Reed Peter, and suggest a movie that you want us to cover. But make it make sense. Make, make a good argument sense. if you want to hear it. Make it make sense. Uh, Army of Darkness fits because they did do Evil Dead comics. Exactly. So uh, It might have been years after the movie, but they good did Good enough. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. It doesn't take much of an argument. Just state your case, and if we like it, we'll do the episode. Right? Bam. And if not, we'll ignore you. Bam. There it is. Done. Easy. You can do that on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Kate Podcasters, or you can email us, capepodcasters at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Patreon, where we're putting out our not-so-super movies. And we have Batman Animation, our animated Batman series show. Sure. Companion, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and we do the poll list, where we talk about actual comic books. And we have some... Some brackets coming up, too, I think. We do have some brackets so, coming that'll up. That'll be fun. So That's right. Attorney. Oh, absolutely. Your best pun you ever come up with. I know. And you keep reminding me that I've never done better. Thanks I know, for that. And I'm going to Thanks. keep you down. I like that. If knowing possible. That, knowing that that's, I've peaked. Thanks. Hey, everyone's <laughs> got to do it at some point. <laughs> also, hit up our Super Stuff store on the website. It'll bring you over to the store. There's a link in the navigation. 10% of everything purchased is going to Extra Life Foundation, which yeah. benefits the Children's Miracle Network. Go put our stuff on your body for a good cause. Yeah. And be sure to tune in when we when we do our 24-hour stream on November 13th, starting at 8 p.m. with with uh, Kyle from Experience Grind. He's our team leader. He is. You're going to see a lot of familiar, well, not familiar faces. You're going to hear a lot of familiar voices. A lot of familiar voices. Put you can face put faces to, to, to that. That's right. I'll be there. And and the Experience Grind boys will be there, and the Nerdy Thursday boys will be there. And right. Others. And others. It'll be great. Woohoo. I'm like, sad I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit, but I'll, I'll Your spirit's enough. <laughs> You're probably right. That's probably too much, even. So I guess we're going to see you next week for Army of Darkness. Same pod time. Same pod twist. So, Brian. So, Dave. That is Split. Split. What do they have as post credits? Bananas. That was the best one I ever come up with. Oh, I'm kidding, actually. <laughs> um, I think we see Hedwig skipping around Philadelphia in his bright yellow windbreaker. Sure. Just having a grand old time. He's, he's going past the, the Liberty Bell, and he's, he's going down Market Street, and he's just, he's having <laughs> just a tour of Philadelphia through the eyes of Hedwig. And he gets to the art museum. Okay. And you see him, he starts to shake a little bit. And he takes off the yellow windbreaker, and he's just got a gray sweatshirt on underneath. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> and he runs up the steps. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, my God. It's so inspiring. Look at him go. And he gets to the top, and he throws his hands up in the air. <laughs> we got a Rocky Balboa. Yeah, we got there. a Rocky Balboa. It's, it's of one of You would think that actually that does check out. It's one of Kevin's other As we all know. personalities. Rocky. <laughs> Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is you get that last scene of the movie where the, where Casey is like trapped inside that cell and you're expecting uh, Mr. Unbreakable himself, Bruce Willis, to pop on down. Yeah. But instead, in a twist. A twist? You hear just this like sound just bang on like pipes and stuff. And you're like looking around and James McAvoy looks around and goes like, he's here. <laughs> what's, what's happening? He's here. 
And it really just gets really dragged out for way too damn long. Of course. I'd imagine because my Shyamalan likes to take his time. Yeah. And eventually, you hear Jason McAvoy yell, where are you? And from behind him, he goes, here. And he turns around, and it's just a man in a solid green jumpsuit. Just a, a full, <laughs> and it's Green Man just standing there. And it cuts to black real fast. Oh, my God. Once you see it's Green Man. I really thought you were going to go Michael Fassbender, Magneto. No. I love Green Man better. 